Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Evelyn Lee in for Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. President Biden facing pushback for a tweet calling on gas stations to lower prices. A major U.S. energy lobby trolling the post and Amazon founder Jeff Bezos also weighs in. New body cam footage shows officers pursuing and shooting a man dozens of times in Akron, Ohio. Black Lives Matter protests have broken out in the city. The head of Homeland Security says his department will continue to enforce the Remain in Mexico policy until it is officially struck down in a few weeks. The White House is facing, facing pushback for a tweet on President Biden's Twitter account over the weekend. It called on gas stations to cut prices at the pump. Some responded by saying that blaming gas stations for high gas prices doesn't make sense. And today's Jessica Beatty has more. On Saturday, President Biden's official Twitter account sent a message to gas stations, tweeting, This is a time of war and global peril. Bring down the price you're charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product and do it now. The U.S. Oil and Gas Association responded Sunday, tweeting, Working on it, Mr. President. In the meantime, have a happy fourth, and please make sure the White House intern who posted this tweet registers for Econ 101 for the fall semester. According to Ibis World, the average gas station profit margin is just 1.4 percent. An analysis by The Hustle found that gas stations make most of their profits from markups on items sold in gas station convenience stores. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos also responded to Biden's tweet, criticizing the administration's messaging around gas prices and high inflation. Bezos tweeted, Inflation is far too important a problem for the White House to keep making statements like this. It's either straight-ahead misdirection or a deep misunderstanding of basic market dynamics. White House National Security Council coordinator John Kirby told Fox News Sunday that Biden's statement is neither misdirection nor misunderstanding. Kirby said Biden's working very hard to bring prices down, saying if everyone cooperates, they can bring the price down by at least a dollar per gallon. Kirby didn't explain how companies could cooperate together to bring down gas prices. According to AAA, the average price for a gallon of regular Monday is $4.80. That's around double what it was when Biden took office. Recently, Biden and fellow Democrats have shifted from blaming Russia for the spike in gas prices to blaming oil companies and gas stations. But Republicans and some analysts blame the high prices on Biden's policies against fossil fuels. They're in contrast to the policies of former President Trump, who sought to expand domestic fossil fuel production. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. The Homeland Security Secretary says his department will keep warning migrants not to show up at the U.S.-Mexico border. That's because the re Remain in Mexico policy will stay in place for several weeks. A divided U.S. Supreme Court on Thursday said the Biden administration can end the Trump-era policy. The policy requires foreigners claiming to be seeking asylum to stay in Mexico while their cases are processed. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said on CBS Face the Nation that the policy will continue to be enforced for several weeks. He was asked whether border enforcement agencies have enough manpower. Can they handle thousands of migrants who are moving towards the border? 
Mallorca has responded by blaming smugglers who use false information to motivate migrants. CBS's Margaret Brennan then pressed Mallorca's on the effectiveness of the Biden administration's border policies. She referenced last week's tragedy involving the death of 53 illegal migrants and pointed out that even that didn't seem to deter migration. And in Uvalde, Texas, the head of the school police force quit his city council seat. He's been the target of criticism over his response to the mass shooting at Robb Elementary School. Here's more. At approximately 11.32 a.m. this morning, there was a mass casualty incident at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. This is Pete Arredondo, the chief of the Uvalde School Police Force in May when a gunman attacked Robb Elementary School and slaughtered 19 children and two teachers. And on Saturday, the Uvalde government released a letter from Arredondo resigning his seat on the city council. His resignation comes amid criticism over his response to the school massacre. At a state senate hearing last month, the director of the Texas Department of Public Safety blasted Arredondo for his decisions that day. Stephen McCraw of DPS said despite the presence of 19 cops on the scene soon after the attack, Arredondo chose to wait for more officers and equipment rather than engage the gunman. The officers waited for more than an hour before a U.S. Border Patrol tactical team entered the room and shot dead the 18-year-old suspect. A state official said last month that police wasted time searching for a key to the classroom door, which was not locked. Arredondo has said he never considered himself incident commander and that he did not order police to hold back on breaching the building. The city's school district last month placed him on administrative leave from his duties as police chief. Arredondo said in the letter he was stepping down, quote, to minimize further distractions in Uvalde. His resignation plans were first reported by the Uvalde Leader News. Uvalde's government said in a statement that resigning was, quote, the right thing to do for Arredondo. Police in Akron, Ohio, released body cam footage of the fatal shooting of 25-year-old Jalen Walker. Eight police officers were involved, and the victim is believed to have been shot dozens of times. The shooting sparked Black Lives Matter protests on Sunday. But please be warned, the following footage is graphic. Last week, police in Akron, Ohio, wanted to stop 25-year-old Jalen Walker for a minor traffic violation. He fled the scene by car before trying to escape on foot, which was when officers fatally shot him. There's no doubt that the video you just watched uh, is extremely disturbing and will stir a lot of emotions and feeling. It's shocking and hard to take in. The police department justified the officer's use of their firearms by showing body cam footage of an officer trying to stop Walker with a taser, which was unsuccessful. 21 shots fired, that vehicle just had a shot come out of its door. Police also point to what appears to be a flash of light on the driver's side of Walker's car in the video, which they said is a muzzle flash. Police says a bullet casing was later found at the spot where they say Walker fired a shot from the car. Police did find this handgun and loaded magazine on the driver's seat of the car after Walker was shot. Officers say as Walker was running away, he stopped and quickly turned towards the pursuing officers. They say they thought he was moving into a firing position. But an attorney for the victim's family points to the fact that Walker didn't flee with the gun. At the time he was shot, more than 90 or 60 or whatever the unbelievable number will be, he was unarmed. On Sunday afternoon, people protested at City Hall in Akron. Demonstrators marched in the streets waving Black Lives Matter flags and chanting, we are done dying and justice for Jalen. The eight officers directly involved in the shooting have been placed on paid administrative leave. 
They have not made any individual statements. Ohio's Bureau of Criminal Investigation is conducting a probe of the shooting and has not confirmed any details. A Texas man was arrested and charged in connection with a terrorist threat against the Supreme Court. He allegedly posted the threat on social media hours after the overturning of Roe v. Wade. 20-year-old Mikhail Deshaun Archambault is from a suburb in Dallas. He allegedly posted on Twitter that he was going to kill everyone in the Supreme Court with an AK-47. The post was timestamped late June 24th, hours after the Supreme Court voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. His post quickly went viral, but the account has since been deleted. The charge against Archambault came as threats related to controversial Supreme Court decisions have ramped up in recent weeks. The justices themselves have been personally threatened. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reveals that a Florida-based creamery's ice cream is linked to a deadly listeria outbreak. The ice cream is only sold within the state. Consumers who have Big Olaf Creamery brand ice cream at home should throw away any remaining product. That's what the agency said in a statement on Saturday. It noted that Big Olaf Creamery's products are only sold in Florida. There, Big Olaf Creamery products are sold to shops, fairs, supermarkets, restaurants, and other places. The ice cream is made near Sarasota's Amish village of Pinecraft. The CDC says the company is contacting retail locations to recommend against selling their ice cream until further notice. On top of that, the agency is adv advising them to clean any areas, containers and serving utensils that may have touched Big Olaf ice cream's products. Apparently, 23 illnesses and one death have been linked to the outbreak. According to CDC's figures, Listeria kills about 260 Americans each year. That's out of about 1,600 people who are infected annually. And coming up, the Ukrainian president says his country's forces have withdrawn from another city in the Donbas region. He vows to take the city back from Russia. And three people were killed after a gunman opened fire in a mall in Denmark. Several others were wounded. Police arrested and charged a 22-year-old man. That and more coming up on NTD News. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky on Sunday said Kiev's forces had withdrawn from Lusychansk in the eastern Donbass region. But he vowed to regain control over the area with the help of long-range Western weapons. Here are the details. Russia said its capture of the city of Lysychansk just a week after taking neighboring Severodonetsk secured a political win that meets a key Kremlin goal. Over the weekend, evacuees from the Luhansk region sought shelter in the central Ukrainian city of Dnipro after a relentless assault by Russian forces. Three-year-old Ophelia Bondar escaped Lysychansk with her mother Nina. The city doesn't exist anymore. It is practically being wiped off the face of the earth. There is no humanitarian aid distribution center. It has been hit. The building which used to house the center does not exist anymore, just like many of our houses. Zelensky vowed to regain control over the area with the help of long-range Western weapons. He also met with Western officials on Sunday who promised to send more aid to Ukraine, including Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese. Australia stands ready to continue to support the government and the people of Ukraine 
for as long as it takes for Ukraine to emerge victorious in defence of your national sovereignty and your homeland. The battlefield focus now shifts to the neighbouring Donetsk region, where Kiev still controls swaths of territory. First responders move to tackle the aftermath of the latest shelling over the weekend. Moscow aims to capture the industrial Donbass heartland that comprises of Luhansk and Donetsk. In a small Ukrainian village, a funeral service was held for a soldier killed in the east of the country. Thousands of civilians have been killed since Russia invaded Ukraine, which Moscow denies. There is a change in leadership for NATO Allied Command Operations. U.S. Army General Christopher Cavoli is assuming its command. He succeeds General Todd Walters of the U.S. Air Force, who held the position since 2019. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg thanked Walters for his, quote, selfless commitment to our alliance. Cavoli has been in the military for 35 years, and his career has taken him worldwide, from Afghanistan to Washington, D.C. Danish police say three people were killed and several more wounded in a shooting in Copenhagen on Sunday. They arrested a 22-year-old Danish man and charged him with manslaughter. Here's the story. Three people were killed after a gunman opened fire in a shopping mall in Denmark's capital, Copenhagen, on Sunday. That's according to Danish police, who said they had arrested a 22-year-old Danish man and charged him with manslaughter. Video obtained by Reuters showed terrified shoppers running away from the mall. Chief Police Inspector Soren Thomason said the suspect acted alone. He said among those killed was a man in his 40s and two young people. He added several others were wounded, some of them in a critical condition. Prime Minister Mette Frederiksen offered her condolences in a statement. A ceremony for the Tour de France cycle race, the first three stages of which were hosted by Denmark, was cancelled after Sunday's incident. Rescue operations were underway in the Italian Alps earlier today. That's after part of the mountain glacier collapsed amid record temperatures, killing at least six people and injuring eight. The avalanche on Sunday took place on the Marmolada, which is the highest peak in the Dolomites. An early summer heat wave in Italy saw temperatures on the Marmolada reach 50 degrees on Saturday. The provincial government there said the large ice avalanche involved hikers who were en route to reach the summit of the mountain. The eight wounded people were being treated at a hospital but were reportedly not in a good condition. Helicopters and dogs were being used to try to find survivors. And on Israel, the Biden administration says that Al Jazeera journalist Shireen Abu Akleh was likely killed by unintentional gunfire from Israeli positions. But the U.S. State Department says independent investigators could not reach a definite conclusion about the origin of the bullet that struck her. Ballistic experts say the bullet was damaged and that prevented a clear conclusion about its origin. Abu Akleh, a Palestinian-American, was killed on May 11th during an Israeli raid in the West Bank. Palestinians have said the Israeli military deliberately killed her. Israel denies this. It says she may have been hit by errant army fire or by a bullet from one of the Palestinian gunmen who were clashing with its forces at the scene. Coming up, a Swedish man chops and saws his way toward victory in the European Timber Sports Championship. It's the first time the competition has appeared in front of an audience since the pandemic. 
and a new species of the giant water lily has been identified, and it's the world's largest. Its leaves can support the weight of at least two people. That and more here on NTD News. Kiteboarders showed off their spectacular skills in front of a Spanish sunset as the Big Air World Championships came to a close in Tarifa. In the women's twin-tip competition, Brazil's Micaeli Sol came out on top, becoming a five-time world champion in the process. Italy's Andrea Principi snatched a dramatic victory in the men's twin-tip. He scored 10 points in his final trick of the heat and claiming the win in the dying stages. Frances Cappuccino de Lanois secured the title in the women's strapless and Ayrton Cozzolini produced a near-flawless display to be crowned world champion in the men's. Earlier, Francis Ch Charles Brodo outclassed his competitors to take victory in the men's hydrofoil. Sweden's Emil Hansen claimed a victory at the European Timber Sports Championship in France, so now he qualifies for the World Championships later this year. Hansen completed the stock saw underhand chop, single buck and standing block chop events with the fastest times. He advanced through the knockout format and earned the win. It was his first time competing in front of a live audience since 2019 due to the pandemic. A Belgian finished second with a Polish competitor placing third. The Steel Timber Sports World Championship is scheduled to take place October 28th and 29th in Germany. There are said to be more than 100 competitors from around the world. And millions of tons of plastic wind up in the ocean every year, killing plants and animals. To combat the problem, new devices are being used or tested worldwide to trap plastic trash in rivers and smaller streams before it can get into the ocean. And today's Andrew Thomas has more. This is Waste Shark, a boxy five-foot aquatic drone. It's sucking up plastic waste in a pond in Rotterdam, Netherlands. Richard Hardiman, founder and CEO of tech company Ranmarine, explains the mission. So we wanted it to be as easy to deploy as possible, as easy to capture the trash and bring it back to land, make it safer so that the operator stood on the shore rather than was in the water, make it battery operated so it was zero emissions, not diesel or fossil fuel powered, and it was easy to store away. The drone's hold can accommodate 42 gallons of trash, floating plants and algae, and can operate for up to eight hours on a single charge. It's inspired by the whale shark, which swims the ocean with its mouth wide open. The whale shark is based on the whale shark, which has a large mouth for capturing its prey. So that's why we have two pontoons, one on each side, um, so that the waste can come in from the front and it gets trapped in between the pontoons. According to the developers, more than 40 have been sold to buyers in a dozen countries, including the UK, US, Nigeria, and Singapore. We wanted something very sleek, very simple, gets the trash out and starts recycling faster than, than what has been done right now. Meanwhile, a similar project is happening in the southeast U.S. The Osprey Initiative of Mobile, Alabama sets up floating traps on creeks, canals and rivers. Osprey trains local crews to deal with the trash they catch. It's also helping change habits in the local community. The awareness, what we're doing and being smart about it, people are really bringing that home and the best way to fight litter and litter in the water is it never becoming litter on the land. Waste can maim or kill marine plants and animals, including whales, dolphins, and seabirds. 
These devices are an attempt to put a dent in the estimated 8.8 .8 million tons of plastic that enter the ocean every year. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Scientists say they found the world's largest species of giant water lily. Its leaves grow over 9 feet wide and it can hold at least two people. Scientists identified a third species in the genus Victoria named after Britain's Queen Victoria. The new species has been named Victoria Boliviana in honor of Bolivian partners and the South American home of the water lily where it grows. Until recently, the plant was believed to be Victoria Amazonica, one of two known species of giant water lily, but they said it was misidentified. Water lilies hold significance in Buddhism, like lotus flowers. They symbolize resurrection and enlightenment. That's because they're rooted in mud, yet bloom beautiful flowers. Those flowers close at night and open again in the morning. In celebration of the 4th of July weekend, animal care specialists at Brookfield Zoo gave animals red, white and blue treats and toys. The bottlenose dolphins received a floating flag made of sugar-free gelatin. Josie and Owen, two of the zoo's California sea lions, sea lions and gray seals Celia and Keenak, seemed to enjoy their patriotic 4th of July ice and sugar-free gelatin cakes. Additionally, two 27-year-old brown bears were presented with red, white and blue colored ice blocks filled with carrots, sweet potatoes, apples and blueberries. And the zoo's river otters, ice blocks had fresh water smelt frozen inside. Yum! And for human food, what are drinkable green powders? Are there differences between these powders and actual real vegetables? And are they even healthy? Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body. You may have seen ads on social media for drinkable green powders, but are these trendy drinkable green powders even healthy? We dove into the science to see if they are worth the money. Similar to protein powder, drinkable greens come in powder form and can be mixed with water to form a liquid supplement. They are made with numerous ingredients including freeze-dried fruit, vegetable powders, extracts, digestive enzymes, probiotics and undisclosed natural flavors. However, most supplements and diet products are unregulated. Therefore, it can be hard to know what is actually in a product, unless it has undergone third-party testing and certification. There are some notable differences between drinkable green powders and the real deal. When you eat greens like kale, collards, chard and spinach, you are getting a naturally occurring dose of water, fiber and several nutrients. Actual greens are higher in fiber and certain nutrients like potassium than the powders and their water and fiber content helps to slow down their digestion. This allows your body to absorb the nutrients as needed rather than all at once. Plus, greens can be prepared in a variety of delicious ways. Drinkable greens might be convenient for someone on the go, but they can contain over 75 ingredients, one of which might be added sugar or sugar substitutes. They can also be very pricey. They are significantly more expensive than a bunch of greens. It's also important to remember that drinking a serving of green powder isn't a free pass to forgo a healthy, balanced eating pattern. Drinkable green powders can tout health claims, but might not be fully scientifically backed. And while they might help you with your intake of some specific nutrients, 
Going for the real deal is the healthiest option. That doesn't mean that drinkable greens are bad for you if you can afford them and enjoy them. But as with any supplement, be sure to choose products that have third-party certification so that you know the label claims and ingredients list are accurate. Always talk to your doctor or dietitian before taking a new supplement or product to make sure it's safe for you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great Independence Day. I'm Evelyn Lee. Thank you.